over the course of nine years, my father, Stephen, son of Robert and Lillian, memorized over 90 quotes that he recites daily. In each podcast, a quote is randomly picked out of a hat and then discussed. Many of the quotes relate in one way or the other to the dreams course that Stephen is currently teaching. Welcome back to the Dreams Course podcast. I'm Michael, son of Judith and Stephen. I'm Stephen, son of Bob and Lillian. So just a reminder for everybody, Stephen and I are father-son. I'm the father, he's the son. And this is a podcast where we take these quotes that Stephen has uh, memorized and... We, uh, we cut them up onto a little piece of paper and we put them into a hat and we pull them at random and then we discuss that quote and, and we'll see where the conversation takes us. That's it. Um, so shall we reach into the hat? Yes. And, and try one? Okay. Let me reach in here a second. Hang on. All right. All right. I am not a human being having a spiritual experience. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. And that is by Pierre uh, Teilhard de Chardin. Okay, say it one more time so I can write it down. Okay, yeah. Okay, the quote. So the quote is, I'm not a human being having a, a spiritual experience i'm a spiritual being having a human experience i know but that's hard because you still have to relate to other people well that's the terrible part <laughs> that's that's the lonely part <laughs> and what makes that interesting to me is i ran into that quote i was at a acupuncture place trying to fix my arm which is been acting weird. And so um, I went to pay and there was a quote on the desk. And this is a perfect example of what I've always said to my students, you know, you'll get quotes, messages, quotes from you in the oddest places. And here I was getting a quote from Pierre de Teilhard, I mean, Teilhard de Chardin, uh, who wrote a number of books, none of which I read, but I bought at least one of them when I was a young person. And I was struck by the quote because it's what I've been kind of focusing on. So it's kind of neat that that came up because it just happened yesterday. So Uh, this quote is particularly interesting to me, not because the idea is new or I haven't heard it, but because I think the course, the way it's evolving is getting down to that question. What, what, who am I? Who am I? Which, uh, is the biggest question. And for me, the Course seems to be evolving toward I'm a spiritual person having a human experience, not a human being having a spiritual experience. It's identifying with the spirit of me, which is forever and lasting and um, eternal, as opposed to the physical me, my body, which is uh, changes all the time, every day, 
and eventually will get old and to decay and to perish. But the essence of your spirit doesn't altogether disappear necessarily. I don't know what it does. But the body in the for the people that I'm studying, like my, my Nigar Dagata, uh, who's written the book I Am That, um, he, you know, he says your spirit lives on, but your body doesn't. And so if you've identified with the body and not the spirit, that's a lot of anxiety, you know, because uh, there's another good quote about that, which is I'm either body consciousness and a slave to circumstances or I'm universal consciousness uh, in full control of every event. You know, who are you identifying with, your body or your spirit? I still need a, a minute to recover from learning that my dad isn't a human being. <laughs> I'm a human being. <laughs> so how do you proceed to have a human experience as a spiritual being? You just, you're inside it and you, you don't identify with every thought. You become a, if you're a spiritual being, you identify yourself as the witness to your, to your uh, human life. You stand back one step and see it unfolding, not identifying with every bad moment, good moment, bored moment. Don't identify with it. Just watch yourself aware of it. Become aware of your life, but don't identify with your body. What were you just saying? Do you ever wish that you had a second body that you could live in that to be to make it easier to be a witness of how you're perce- proceeding yeah. as a human? Oh, that's very good. I that's a, maybe a good technique of how to find the witness. You know, create a second you watching. I think if we could just get outside of our bodies for a second. It would make life so much easier. I think so, because if if the spirit, I'm a spirit being, is true, it's, in, it, it, it's not in harmony with the human experience on Earth. On Earth, it's very, you know, it's very, uh, it's in the trenches. It's blood and lungs and hearts and... Uh, jealousy and sex and uh, death and disappointment and joy. You know, it's a it's a it's a um, a real uh, buffet of choices and experiences. And I think in those experiences, we very quickly lose a sense of our spiritual being. We're too caught up in the what's happening in Earth and the demands made of you on Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. If you ask me, because I always joke about this because I wanted to write a show called 36, which was that all human beings would grow until they were 36, and then they would stop and be 36 until some time in the future they die. But they look 36 for that for that to happen because that's, you know, that's that's the aging process isn't a, you know, a barrel of laughs. 36 is perfect because you've been on the planet, you've gotten through your 20s, you're still young, you still have the energy, and you're, st- you're looking good, really good, hair is working, 
and then all of a sudden, you know, there you are. And um, so that's the kind of way I think when I'm thinking about my body. I wish it could stay at one age. There's nothing on this planet, as far as I can tell, that doesn't change. Everything changes. And I think part of the seeking the self is wanting to identify with something that doesn't change. You know, that stays consistent. Because this is just a, a constant unraveling of reality, one reality moment turning into the next reality moment. And that comes back to your twin. I'll call him the twin, the twin of yourself that is the witness. He's just watching what's happening without judgment. Exactly. To observe without the attachment of judgment uh, and, and self, self-judgment. If you just observe anyone else, like as if you're sitting in a park and people watching, you can see things so much more clearly because you're not emotionally attached to the, the outcomes of people's interactions. You just see it for the dance that it is. That's, that's the goal. But I have a hell of a time with it. I identify with sports teams, so if they lose, I lose, and I'm wondering, feeling badly, and I go, what am I feeling badly for? They're all millionaires, and they don't know me, and I'm choosing to feel bad. This is insane. But that's how insane it gets. We get addicted to the stupidest stuff and some of the serious stuff, you know, drugs and uh, sex and, you know, pick your, pick your uh, sin, as it were. But, uh, I think this is a, comes back to a question of the quote and something you said earlier, which is when you you talk about the eternal, right, and wanting to identify with the eternal as opposed to your body and the parts of yourself that you know will will die. What are those eternal things that you that you can f- identify with? I have no idea, except my vision of it is it's like I'm lightning. There's, there, I'm not bound by gravity. I'm not bound by the needs of a body. I'm free. I may or may not have any consciousness, but since energy can't be neither created nor destroyed, um, the energy of my life, when it passes, is going somewhere. And I think it's my job to decide where that is. You're never going to get an objective reality. Religions are just guessing. They don't know. They don't know what heaven is or what hell is. They're, they're making them up. And I think in that sense, every individual should very seriously consider what their afterlife, what they want it to be. And if they think it long enough and it turns into their truth, I believe they'll get that afterlife. But if you're waiting for an answer from someone else, no way. So if you're picturing yourself as lightning or something like that, do you th- or and you said that you might not you may or may not have consciousness. Yeah, I may not have consciousness of my individual personality. Does that matter? Well, when I'm sitting in my body, yeah, you'd like it to. But that may be more fantasy work by the body ego consciousness wanting to think it's eternal, and it's not. 
it may be what I am and what I become is not a thing or a personality. I just become at that point, depending on the work I've done here on earth, I may be more conscious. Consciousness is the goal. As much consciousness in your life here on earth as you can possibly become aware of. Your inner voices and then the, the deeper truths. And I think whatever you do here, you'll kind of get what you, you'll, you'll get when you pass on. Okay, so now you're Stephen Campman, um, spiritual being, having a human experience. How are you introducing yourself to other people? <laughs> Stephen Campman. And you just leave it at that? Yeah, if you announce that you're a spirit, someone might kill you. I look at the story of Jesus as they were saying the resurrection and he died for our sins. And I look at it as a man who spoke about love and then they put nails into his feet and hands. The world doesn't really respond well to spiritual identity. It's, it's like the underdog that lives in caves and stays alight, stays alive with the flame. But it knows its enemy out there, the ego of the world, will try to snuff it out any way it can. Yeah. So it has to be smart. So I'm Stephen Campman. I'm not spiritual Stephen Campman. Then if I fall, fall, find the person I'm talking to is Mikey Campman, and he has, uh, it says I'm Mikey Campman, but we discover through conversation that he knows he's a spirit too. Our whole conversation and trust of one another shifts. Yeah. You got you got to be paying got to pay attention. You can't be naive about this world. Its destructiveness is real because it's identified with the individual ego that each of us are fighting every single day of our lives. What about me? What do I need? What do I got to get? Why don't they like me? Why am I getting a better job? Why didn't that boyfriend like me? On and on and on. And then it's, you know, I was listening to the news and it's about Russia warning about war and China warning about, you know, it's all ego. It's not waking up and saying I'm on a planet in space spinning around and we're covered by a shield so we can breathe and there's beauty and mountains and sea and you can live on this life and and run and and see things and hear things and from music to thunderstorms. You can have sex, you know, how great is that? You can have everything. You're going to through the whole pageantry of being born and die, and all that's a gift. And what do we do? Let's get weapons and kill one another. It's so backwards. So I have to believe in evolution is going to take me, you know, another, if we survive, hundreds of thousands of years before the spirit won't be a, a cave dweller. He'll be the way we live. We wake up in the day serving the spirit and not serving our egos. But we live in a society that totally celebrates the power of the individual and their success. And it's a source of desire, fear, jealousy, unfairness. And we're millions of miles away from being a spiritual being. And I think the religions are totally failed. They're useless. And I don't and I'm not an atheist, I'm a spiritual being. But the religions lost the lost it. I mean, can you imagine Jesus Christ arriving at the Vatican? What he would say when he looks at that building? Mm. And what's that building? Oh, we built a temple to you, Jesus. He'd be infuriated. 
He, he went into the temples and th threw the moneylenders out. So I think that the spiritual, I think the most important thing about am I spiritual or not spiritual or what heaven is, you, whatever you decide it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. Sometimes it feels like I'm, like you talk about the spirit being a cave dweller. Well, sometimes it feels like I'm, the cave is my own body. You know, and and I think mm. it's like I feel my spirit feels trapped within the 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 control of the mind associating with the body. And yep. that and yep. it feels isolated and it feels lonely and yeah. it feels um, judge self judgmental. And I think the important thing to remember as you kind of come in and out of those those highs and lows is that the spirit you you do have to be an underdog for the spirit and sometimes that can feel lonely as you're in the back of the cave with the, like a little fire going but you have to remember that almost like a, a like a ninja mindset that you're preserving something very important and that's the belief in the spirit and the belief in, in the magical universe and the belief in something eternal um, as opposed to getting attached to the rig that is your body that's going to fail you in the end. And that's why uh, the quote is appropriate because everything you describe, which is beautifully said, only happens when you see yourself as a spiritual being and that you have a, you, you're exactly right. I use the analogy that once upon a time there was only fish and sea life, not, nothing on land. And one by one, one fish that began it all, one day jumped away, left its family and jumped up on shore and died. But a few of the other fishes watched it and then a couple of them said, I'm going to try it. And then more tried it and then hundreds of thousands, and then millions have tried it. And then after millions and many, many eons of time, guess what happened? The fish developed a way to breathe on land. That's us. It's not about your life or my life. It's about in service to the consciousness, to spread consciousness in this life, to be one of the fish that is willing to come onto land. And I think that right now we need the spirit people to come out and be loud and to begin standing up to the powers that be that are destroying the earth, destroying one another, ripping one another off, filled with hate. This is, the, this is real. And we need people to come out and say, that's not going to go anymore. You're taking the planet away from all those people that are meant to come, will come in the future for your own selfish needs. We're fighting back, fighting back for the environment, fighting for causes that do that. That's probably the job once you realize you're a spiritual being. you got to go into the war. No. I, what? I think to be a spiritual being, you have to rise above the duality of seeing the war. I think, Job, Carl Jung said it, uh, or I mean uh, Joseph Campbell said it, that even though this is hard to say, 
the idea is to experience life totally, not to stand back or not be in it, but to be in it, but knowing that it's an experience and it's not who you are. I think participating in, the, in life in a meaningful way is very significant to have the full experience. Well, this is a very philosophical conversation then. <laughs> well, we probably have run out of it, but it, it's, not meant, and it's not meant to be heavy-handed because there's a lot of humor in that. There's a lot of freedom in realizing that. Like, you just think about things differently, much bigger. Like, that's how cool that is to be a spirit and not just be a personality. I, I know I, this is where I can't talk because I, I, I start to go down into my own philosoph- like philosophical existentialism and I don't want to go down there anymore or not right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, you you don't have to. Uh, you know, I'm just taking that quote to say it affected me yesterday when I saw it and I realized it's been affecting me for a while and it's a way... I'm moving, and there'll be a time that I'll come on this podcast and say, you know, hopefully I'll be able to say I'm there. I'm, I'm, this is what I am. I'm not, I'm not identifying with Stephen Campman. I, I function in the world as Stephen Campman, but I'm not, that's not who I am. I hope I get to say that. Well, you know, then we're living in the matrix. Right. <laughs> that's okay. We're here. Uh, well, I feel like I've covered my end of it. Do you have anything else to say? No, I don't want nothing to say. I don't want to say. I don't okay. want to say. <laughs> um, That's good. That's all right. Yeah. I, I, I want to do say, though, it's nice to be back doing this with you. And, uh, um, you know, I enjoyed it. So uh, I hope we do a few more. And and uh, it's, it's always good for me. I always leave these. Um, calls often I leave them very upbeat and inspired and and you know when you're in the cave you need every once in a while uh, positive uh, voices in in the dark in the wilderness speaking you only need one other friend is the way I look at it that's exactly right um, that's exactly right it's exactly right that you just need one friend (laughs) one that's all who gets it, who really, honest to God, gets it. And you go, I see you, and they go, I see you. And you laugh, and you hug, and you do all that, and you say, thank God you're on the planet. And that happened to me, and then I will get off, but that's what happened to me. That single person in my most lost moments in my 20s in Vermont, and when I met Elizabeth Forsberg, the therapist, who said, there's nothing wrong with you, you've just been with the wrong people a weight lifted off my shoulders and I felt someone for the first time while I was on the planet actually saw me and not some mask of me. And that comment by her, which meant nothing at the end of a session, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. You've just been wrong with the wrong people. That simple line altered my life forever. The path of individuation happened at that moment. And so what you say to someone or what I say or how we give support to people and how we try to bring the spirit into the world as best we can, that's a wonderful mission. 
Um, so just a couple of things. One is that if you're interested in the course, there are openings. I have uh, two, and uh, you can reach me through. I don't know if we have. Do we have this at the end of this, Mikey? Okay, so yeah. at, the, the email. The email is also okay. in the info of the yeah. uh, podcast. So that info is there, and for sure, if you're vaguely interested, reach out. Second of all, I'd just like to read a poem that um, I sent to a dreamer about all of us and to, re to remind ourselves, uh, if I can find it. Okay. All right. This poem is called, I Am a Fucking Prize. I am born into this world, but not of it. I am made of stardust, my father a sun, my mother a moon, the universe my home, but for now, in this moment, I am beauty in flesh, a blood-racing, passion-pounding soul, for I am here and alive, I am a fucking prize. I am sunrises and darkness too, I am a summer breezes and howling freezes, I am all opposites, I am me, I am you, I am a night hawk, scouring my prey to kill at will, giving no excuses, feeling no shame, for I am here and alive. I am a fucking prize. If you want me, then earn me. Why settle for less when you know you're the best? For I am here and alive. I am a fucking prize. Shout it again. For I am here and alive. I am a fucking prize. The end. That's it. That's all I got, folks. All right. Well, thank you for talking. Yeah, all good. Dreams Course is a one-on-one -on -one program done through phone calls with Stephen, using dream interpretation and reading Herman Hesse's Damien. For more information about the Dreams Course, email Stephen at csmoke at optonline.net. S-E-A-S-M-O-K-E at O-P-T-O-N-L-I-N-E dot net. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and come back for the next episode. We have many, many more quotes to get to. Thank you. <laughs>